Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. It is a delight to be able to share this series with you, and I want to talk to you about something today I believe is impactful for every person in in the room and those of you who are watching. And the reason why I say that is because all of us have process. Life has has a rhythm in it, if you will. And all of us have that rhythm, patterns in our life and a rhythm, if you will. But it's important to know that underneath of the patterns needs to be a power that's not yours. It's his. The hand of God upon your life, helping to move through life. And I want to talk to you about the power under the process today. And I I believe it's impactful because every single one of us are building a house. We're all building a life, a house. And there's a couple of different places, one in Matthew 7, and the first scripture that I'll use, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, that helps us to understand that we are building a house, so watch what you build and what materials you use to build the house that you're building. And most importantly, what is the foundation of what really makes the house last through troubled times? So I want to talk to you about all of that. I think it's appropriate for us, and I think it's maybe more impactful than it is during the introduction. That's the reason why I'll preach the whole message and not just go home now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 10. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church who needed foundation. I'm telling you, there wasn't, any, there wasn't a great deal of Christian and Judaism and Ten Commandments in Corinth. It was a mess. And here comes the gospel, powerfully hits Corinth through the Apostle Paul. Great church built there. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. They're learning new ways. They're learning. They don't come out of a history of Ten Commandments and a society built on Christian values. They don't come out of there. They come out of idolatry and weirdness. And so the Apostle Paul tells them that he came preaching the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit so their faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. And so there's the context for this. He says, you're building your house. Watch how you build it. Chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another is building on it. In other words, everything you hear is going to be built on the foundation of what I've already sowed into your life. And then he says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Watch what you allow into your life. Bring things that you need and shun the things that you don't and build your life on something of substance. And I can just tell you, truth isn't just floating around at every 7-Eleven waiting for you to pick it up at the counter. Are you with me? And it's important for us to know that it's important for you to know truth. I could get tangled up in a lot of detail here. I don't want to because I need to make good use of my time. But But you're not just making a living during the course of your week. You're making a life. And you're building a house, and it needs to be able to stand through our present challenges. And so we all have process, as I just got done saying, and process is more than making a living or the discipleship processes of a church. We we have process. I'm a strong believer in process because we all need it. If you're going to advance, you need to know where to put your foot next. So Joel just got done mentioning to you, the father of my last baby girl, little Evelyn. But he just mentioned that life track is happening. If you've not been in life track, I can just tell you right now, you really need that. To to not only rehearse some of the things maybe that you've already learned, but, but to grow in the things of God. And I can just tell you, 
Most Christians that are well into their middle age and, and onward are still living on gospel that they learned in Sunday school as a kid. Because the, the demand to walk in it isn't necessarily there. It's to be nice and to be a good citizen and all those kind of things. It's very important. Is there more to it than that? Is that all the higher that God wants to raise the bar for each one of us? And I'm just telling you, God's raising the bar for you. Like it or not, I'm opting out. I'm sitting this one out. I'm sorry. There's no sitting in this one. You're in it. Like it or not. And I want you to know it's highly complimentary for you to be born and living in a time of challenge. Because God must think a lot of you to, to be able to be this generation that overcomes what we've been facing. Amen? Amen? So we're not the only generations face a challenge. Uh, World War I and II were pretty tough. Civil rights have been tough. And all the different kinds of things and challenges of different segments of the population, it's all been tough. But at some point or another, each one of us have to understand we're in process, but there's got to be something more powerful than just going through the motions for me. I need courage to do what God's calling me to do. And so underneath the process, there's a foundation or a flow of power that God wants to put into the, into the lives of each one of us. And I want to share with you, again, four principles that are going to help us to do that. They become foundational underneath of us so that purpose, meaning, and direction have uh, real power in them. And so, first of all, God need a solid, God's people need a solid place to stand during a time of trouble, time, time of shaking. Hebrews chapter number 12 told us that shaking was coming. The Bible says that, uh, that in the last days that God would not only shake the heavens, but also the earth, also the heavens. And then he says that only that which is of God is going to remain during the time of shaking. Now, here's the thing that maybe you may not have thought of, that during the shaking, the things that aren't God are going to shake to the ground and down they go. But you can assume by that that I'm not going to feel the shaking because I'm built on something firm. No, you're going to get shook. Come on, how many of you feeling the shaking? What was the singer? A whole lot of shaking going on. I don't know. That came out of the 50s somewhere, I think. But, but you understand, I, you can presume that because the shaking is going on that demolishes some things that I won't feel the shaking. No, you're going to feel it. But if you're built on the right stuff, you don't crash and implode. So the idea is that all of us are reevaluating during this time. I mean, going to the grocery store, how much toilet paper do you buy? Seems to be a shortage these days. You know, buy stock in Charmin. It's a good bet. It's going to be okay. Or should I attend church? If so, how? Should I reach out to my neighbors? Or should my kids go to school? All of those things are being reevaluated right now, and I never dreamed we'd even be talking about these things. But here we are. And so Jesus gave us insight on how to win in a day filled with trouble. And, he, and he, he let us know that our activity, say activity. activity, not just what we know, but what we do with what we know. Our activity actually determines the kind of resilience we'll have during a time of shaking or when a storm hits our house. You'll remember Matthew chapter number 7. Jesus has preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. At the end of the whole thing, he talks about being a doer of what he said since the Beatitudes, chapter 5. How to pray, how to fast, how to, how to give, 
how to respond to the world around you and so forth. And the law says this, but there's the deeper side of that. And he would say all that during the Sermon on the Mount. Really cool. And then at the end, this is what he says. He that hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise builder that built his house on a rock. Kind of sounds like 1 Corinthians 3, doesn't it? Built his house on the rock. He that hears these sayings of mine and acts on them. Activity, again, is the key. And the storm comes and the wind blows. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey. I'm doing the word. I'm not supposed to have a storm. I rebuke storms. Jesus said, your house is going to have to endure a storm. Don't even have to believe God for that. You're going to, you're going to experience tough times in life. Jesus said, in this life you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? I've already overcome the world. So, so we experience storms in life. And so Jesus said, but there was a guy who went to the same church service, heard the same message, but didn't act on what he heard. And this guy built his house on the sand. Same storm comes, but the outcome is very different because the foundation determines the well-being or the long-lasting nature of your house that you are building. You're building a house. So it's important to take building materials out of good sources like the Word of God or going to church. And, and so pray for your pastor. And, you know, if this is not your normal church, and so pray for your pastor to have unction and utterance for you, building materials to build a strong house in the name of Jesus. Amen. And there's all kinds of real chaotic stuff. People have... The, the problem with gospel, and I'll, I'll just give you a 30-second version of this and move along, but the, the problem is if you don't preach the right gospel at the time that you need it, a power gospel when you need power, that if you lose your confidence in God's ability, ability to transform a life, you default to accepting a life the way that it is. And that left turn will cause that thing to move in a di digression, if you will, of ultimately compromise and uh, everything's covered under the name of grace so I can live in the old way I want. Wait a minute. I thought activity was the reason why your house stands. What you do with truth is the reason why your house stands. So that whole message is destined towards a collapsed house. Because I don't have to do the Word of God. God just loves me and accepts me the way that I am. I don't have to repent for anything. I don't have to change anything. God's not into change. He's into love. Well, I'm glad He loved me enough to change me. Amen. I need a good amen. Mm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. I need a B3 back behind me here somewhere. Is good. So what do you do during a time of shaking? What do you do with all this going on? You build your house on a rock. Your activity will help you to determine the strategy. See, the, the church of the first century grew through persecution, and it grew amazingly. There was no internet. There was no TV. There wasn't all, all that kind of stuff. And they grew through persecution in times when it wasn't popular. There was no Bible to read. And all they had was the apostles' doctrine and the power of God through the lives of the apostles and the church just flourished in the midst of trouble. And so how do we get the church to do it today like that? you got to have that same power under the process because they had process. Acts chapter number 2, the Bible says that they went from house to house and continued daily, not Sunday, but daily in the apostles' doctrine. So they were encouraging one another every day. 
just encouraging one another. Man, did you remember that story? We listened to John tell the story about Jesus on the boat. And you remember that? I mean, you remember Jesus calming the storm? And they're talking about these things on a daily basis. Why? Because they just heard it from the eyewitnesses who were there. And they're sharing these stories, and it's churning up their faith, and it's just amazing what God's doing. And the church is flourishing in the midst of all of You say, well, Pastor Pat, I don't do much of that. And I know that's the reason why we're having such trouble now. Because we need our faith stirred up by stories other than what we're getting. And so here they are, house to house, telling the stories, compelled by love, house to house, reaching out, responsible toward their community, and just New Testament pattern is, is happening. And I believe it needs to happen again, and I believe that equipping the saints for the work of ministry is the, the reason that God does it. Here, here we go. What if normal never comes back? I know some people are hiding out waiting for normal to come back. What if it never comes back? I mean, it's a plausible question. I pray Jesus comes first. Amen. But the best days of the church are right now. And the reason why I say that is because of the contrast that has been created by this pandemic. And the racial darkness and the hatred. And I've run into some believers that don't act like believers because they're Republicans. Justifying hatred and venom. And that's right. I'm telling you, you couldn't find Jesus with a microscope in their life. Because they're so upset politically. Do they have reasons? I'm sure they'll be glad to tell you about all of them. But to lose your witness in the midst of the greatest hour that the church is alive. Listen, you're allowed to hold a political opinion. You know that I know you're supposed to take a, a political side of what embraces your values. Done. But don't forget justice in the midst of your stand. Don't forget the application of love and the ability to embrace people that are different than you because that's what Jesus would do. And if you lose the flow underneath the process of your life, you will preach a different gospel. You may say the right thing, but you'll say it with the wrong attitude and make it wrong. Yeah, some good preaching right up in here. Matter of fact, you can be so sighted and possessed by that spirit right now, you could resent me saying what I'm saying right now. It's just stupid. Well, God bless you. I'm going to stir you up a little more. There's sweet pea. Because somebody has got to talk you out of the tree you climbed up in and get you back into the game that God has, I mean, laid out before us. The need for the church to show up has never been greater. So you can either show up or sit on your blessed assurance. Either way, I'm going to tell you, you got to take a side. Hmm. Things have shifted. The question is, have you? And so what do you do if normal doesn't come back? See, my assignment as a leader is to equip God's people to inspire them and to empower them to be what they're supposed to be no matter what the circumstance of the life we're in. 
And so Ephesians chapter number four says, and Jesus, as he rose from the dead, gave gifts to men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What for? And here's what for. So my job is to help you to be equipped, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let's just say it like this, to equip the saints to work. Not to attend. Attendance is a good part of the process. But to equip the saints to work. So my job is to help you to do your ministry. So you're the one in the ministry up there. Wait a minute. According to Ephesians 4, my job is to help you to do your job and to do it with courage and to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit and to do it with encouragement and do it with my arms wrapped around you. And so that's what I plan on doing because my son, I'm going to stand one day before Jesus to ask me if I did my job. And you're going to be proof positive that I did. Amen. Amen. And so understand today that the foundation underneath of us is for me to be not only equip you, but to edify you in the body of Christ. And so that is the foundation of the church. The the church by which Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against that church. Somebody said, I'm holding the fort. You don't have a fort. You're storming the gates. Hold the fort. I'm sure they've written some old hymns about that. Hold the fort. You know, I don't know what you do. (laughs) Onward, Christian soldier. You know, whatever. So I think that was a Marine tune. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Understand today, we're building God's house on a foundation. Both individually and collectively, we're building a house. And so Christian lifestyle, the lifestyle of Christianity looks like something. The question is, does it look like or is it supposed to look like what I'm presently living? It's a good question. I heard one guy say it like this. If Christianity were against the law, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Or, heard it said in a second way. That if Christianity was dependent upon you to get to the next generation, would it make it? Are you living out loud enough for people to see and want what you got? And so, again, these are good questions. These are are soul-searching questions. I don't know if it's Sunday morning questions, but since we only meet on Sunday morning, it's my only shot at you. So there's a flow underneath of it. We're building a house, and the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3.10, take heed what you build on top of the foundation that's been laid. Watch out. Watch what you're building above ground because that's what people see. And so, again, being active during a time of trouble is foundational for us. If we're going to experience success and, and really succeed in God's plans for our life and show it to our kids and our grandkids, it's going to be important for us to really digest This kind of a message. And underneath of this flow of power, there's four foundational truths, I think, that we've got to have. A a way to pursue life. Not only in the process of life, a church, we've got a process here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That is our process here at Living Word. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then go make a difference. And so that's very much what we're after all the time. We're always doing that process, always. And growth is in the midst of it, and there's learning to do in the midst of it. There's community in the midst of it. And all the things that are really important to really your best, the best you showing up on planet Earth during this time, it's all geared towards that. 
But it's important for you to know that the power or the flow under the process is, is kind of like the disciples. They were in the upper room praying before the power of the Spirit came. And so they knew what Jesus commanded them to do, but they needed power to pull it off. After the power of God comes, they run into the streets in absolute bold obedience and joy. So they knew the process. Jesus told them the process. Go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, etc. But he said, don't go until there's a flow in it. Don't go until there's power. And then when you go, you're going to bring the right message because the right flow is going to be in that. And so, so I don't know where you are, all of you, theologically, but this is my admonition to you. Get as much of God as you can possibly get. How's that work for you? And so here's the four cornerstones that put power underneath of the process. And they are, first of all, God is good. Try it on. God is good. Nothing is impossible. The blood of Jesus paid for everything. And every person is significant. Now, those are four things I want to spend this latter part of this message, the last few minutes I have with you to talk about. God is good. And when we say God is good, I don't know how, what level of goodness you actually feel that God is good, but, but God, God is good. Moses had an encounter with God, and he said, I want to see your glory. And God says, you won't survive the experience. But I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And so he, had him, he pushed him into the cleft of the rock, and there kind of hit him. And God just allowed him to see what trails behind him. And everything that's in God's path, everything he does, it trails goodness. He said he made his goodness to pass before him. And Moses came off of that mountain, and his face was alive and lit with the glory of God. So much so, they made him put a veil over his face because the people couldn't stand the light on Moses. Just by making his goodness pass before him. In other words, God's goodness was a transformational thing for Moses and for the people of Israel. It made us, it made him look glorious. And the same thing happens to us when the understanding of just how good God is sets in upon us. So there's all kinds of folks who have a misconception about God. I mean, God, you know, he, sometimes, you know, you know, maybe he's in a bad mood. He wants to beat the stew out of you. I don't know. God is not going to change his personality for anyone. If God changes, he, he has to change to imperfect because perfect never changes. So if he changes, he moves to imperfect. So he never moves. He's always good. Amen. Come on, say it. He's, he's always good. And so if God is better than I think, I need to change the way I think. Possibly the greatest need in the human heart is the goodness of God and the reality of just how good God is. That God the Father, is, he's kind. And does he want us to change? Absolutely. Listen, it is not love for you to tell somebody God loves you just the way you are and then leave you addicted and bound and, and confused. Hello? God doesn't want you to be addicted, bound, and confused. He wants you free. And so that means change is going to happen, and it's going to happen because of the, the grace that is displayed upon us in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus and all that God has done for us, and it's going to come alive. The truth Jesus said is going to make you free. Hmm. 
Hallelujah. And so, but God is kind while he's doing it. How many of you think God he's kind? I don't know if you're like me, but every once in a while I'll show up and I'm not paying attention to certain things in my life. I'm just, I'm just praying. And I'm just praying and loving God. And all of a sudden God will speak in the middle of that prayer meeting and said, hey, Pat, when are you going to deal with what I told you? Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. How many of you have had one of those moments? Come on, you know, you're busted. Like, okay, I'm not going to ask God for anything while I'm not doing what he told me to do. So I need to get beyond that and do it. And so with every belief, there is a, there is a behavior that is attached to it. So what about the goodness of God? What, what kind of thing? And I can tell you, when, when you believe in the goodness of God and you actually see the goodness of God, it makes you begin to think bigger. You begin to dream. You think thoughts of during a downtime or during a time of challenge, you build a dream center to go right into the hood. Huh? What a crazy idea. Don't quarantine. Run down into the neighborhood where they can't afford a mask. And feed everybody in sight. There's a big idea. How are you going to pay for it? I don't know. I guess you. <laughs> Amen. Stick your hand in them jeans and pull out them greens. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. That was Deuteronomy Skaggs, I think, from WLW. But <laughs> I need help. <laughs> Listen. The goodness of God will make you start to think bigger. Come on, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. The God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but it's regulated by the power working in you. So where's your regulator? Turn that thing up. What are the possibilities if God's as good as he says he is? He's good. Come on, shout he's good. Amen. And so what will be the effect now is going to, it's going to affect the way that I think. How big is possible? How big is possible? What's possible with my church? What's the possibilities in my community? Or what's possible with my family if God is good? If God is good, what impact can I have upon humanity because I believe God is good? But if I believe he's aloof, kind of grumpy, and distant, it will regulate turn me way down and so forth and keep me in a place of inactivity. And I don't think that's God doing that. I think that would be the devil. Dialing us back, playing it safe. Don't get involved. Don't stir the pot. Just... Come on, Bartimaeus, just shut up. I know you're blind and you've got a need in your life, but just shut up. What are the possibilities when I believe God is good? Secondly, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. See, God lives in a place called nothing is impossible. That's where he lives. And Jesus taught us to pray. Now, how did he teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth like it is in, in nothing is impossible realm. And so, literally, the Lord's Prayer invites impossibility to manifest in the earth that I live in. That God has invited us into this and given us access into this nothing is impossible world. 
Matter of fact, he said so. Mark chapter number 9, verse 23. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So there's the trigger for something impossible coming to pass in my life is belief. Now, if you don't pull the trigger, it never goes off. But I don't know, gun control conversation, that might not be the right illustration. I don't know. In these days, you know, I'm not politically correct anyhow, so it doesn't matter much. But come on, how many of you know you need to at least make the boom go off for believing? And it's because of the pattern, the New Testament pattern that made believing big things because you were hanging out constantly in the early church in Acts chapter number 2 with the guys that saw Jesus walk on the water and then now they're telling you about it and it makes you want to walk on water. So my question is, who are you hanging around right now? Are you hanging around water walking people or boat people? Come on, how many of you know, out of the 12, only one was a water walker? Hello? Good preaching. Amen. Amen. And so expectations are high if you're spending time thinking about what the eyewitnesses saw him do and from house to house, hearing those stories and it's stirring your faith. And it's the reason why the New Testament church not only did the impossible, but they were fearless when they did it. It's a great privilege for a believer to believe that nothing is outside of God's reach and he's invited me, given me permission to invade the impossible yes. through faith in him. Yes. And so the behavior is that once you begin to think about nothing being impossible, that suddenly I begin to take risk. Risk that get me outside of the parameters of where I've been already that helped me to attend church but didn't help me to be the church once we left. And so it's important for us to be able to, to display in front of the world what's possible with a God who's as good as he is. Hmm. And invade the impossible and walk with God because nothing's impossible to him. Number three, number three, everything was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Calvary took care of it all. God will, it is an irrevocable promise paid for by the blood of the Lamb of God. You do, we preached it on the 24th of Miracle Service. And so I'm not going to rehash all of that, but I just want to simply say, Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 7 puts it real, really well, that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm telling you, Jesus did it all that in the ages to come, we'll all celebrate what he did. And for a billion years from now, we'll still be discovering the grace and what God did in paying the full price by the blood of the Lamb of God. Mm. I'm glad you're getting it, bro. Grace, grace, grace. Jesus purchased healing and victory and a triumphant life over darkness. And thank God today you have permission to to just walk on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Doesn't matter if it's fear or COVID-19 or what it is. I am not intimidated. And so the payment makes it possible for you. Listen, it made it possible for Jesus to receive what I deserved so that I could receive what he deserved. And if that doesn't blow you away, I don't know what would. But it'll cause you to think differently. 
It doesn't make you think, oh, I'm so unworthy. Well, we know that already. What we need to celebrate is the fact that even though I wasn't worthy, he thought I was worth it to come and to redeem me and to love me and to embrace me even in an unworthy, smelly spiritual state of death and pull me unto himself and embrace me and change me from the inside out. And that's what God will do for anybody. You just got to believe. And lastly, every person is significant. Number four, every person is significant. How do you know what something's worth? Well, I can tell you right now it's worth what you're willing to pay for it. Hello? And so what was the value of people that don't even know God loves them? The son came and gave his life for them. So how much was God willing to pay? The ultimate highest price. And I believe that God wants the entire world to know that. And he's given us the commission, and it's my commission to help you tell that story. And make sure you know that when you leave church today and possibly go to a restaurant, that the person that's there serving, maybe even a little grumpy, is significant in the eyes of God. And he loves them. That you walk into a gas station, somebody's different than you, and suddenly you have an opportunity. I, I hate that progressive commercial that teaches friendly people how to be unfriendly and call it old. You're acting like your parents. Well, maybe your parents were Christians. Don't, they, they didn't ask for your help. Well, I'm going to be helpful anyway. You get out of here. Amen. Anybody seen that stupid commercial? It like makes it you have to be trained not to be friendly and so forth. And Joel cracks up through the thing because it's just like me. I'm, I'm friendly everywhere I go. Amen. Come on, you can't... If salt makes things taste different. And Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And so get involved. You can't, you can't change something unless you get involved. And by the way, remember this, while you're getting involved, your king, King Jesus, just remember John 13, he washes feet. Our king washes feet. And so just remember that and digest it into the way that you process your own life and let the flow of these key truths flow up underneath of your process. So that when you process, you actually have power in it that's compelling. That it, it says more than I went to church today, yippee for me. It says I'm a doer of the word and though the, the winds blow and the storm beats on my house, I am a doer of the word. I have activated enough truth in my life to where it ain't going to blow my house down. I'm doing what the word says. I'm going to change the world I'm in. What are the possibilities with a God who lives in nothing impossible realm? What are the possibilities if I'll just attach enough faith to it and believe? Do I have enough faith to believe there's enough goodness and power in the Holy Spirit to make me behave? That's where a lot of people stop. I'm telling you what's on the living on the inside of you is a dynamic Holy Spirit who can change the world if we'll just let them out. Just got to let them out.
no matter where you are. Let me give you some final thoughts. I, I think I have five or six of them. Number one, number one, live as loudly as the love of God can in your life. Get it out and live as loud as you dare. And maybe today is to challenge you to a higher place for that. So live as loudly as you can. Because my point number two, remember, and the Lord told me this on the way back from the gym to the office, five minutes. And the Lord said 90% of the people that you'll pass on the way back to the office have no idea what you consider to be normal. A prayer answering father who loves you and does miracles and answers to prayer where there's joy unspeakable full of glory. And 90% of the people you'll pass by on the way to the office have no idea what that means or what you believe or the way that it impacts you. So live out loud. Remember, most people don't know so that, listen to me carefully, look at me. When they see you and you show up loud enough, you look different and you look like a breath of fresh air to people. There's a few curmudgeons out there that want to give you a hard time. Don't get, that's okay. Keep moving. I hope that was a wide shot. Number three, and this is a big one because this is more private, but it has a public impact. Praise God as deeply and with as much volume as you dare. Praise God. And I'm not talking about public spectacle standing in the middle of McDonald's. I'm talking about the kind of legitimate praise that if it requires you to get in a room all by yourself where nobody can hear you and you shout the praises of God, I'm gonna tell you it will do something that will supercharge your spirit and I'm not talking about doing it because Pastor Pat said, think about how good he is and what he's done in your life and then just respond with a loud hallelujah. I'm... See, I just refuse to be a hypocrite. And, you know, we were in services back in the day and back in the late 70s and early 80s and so forth. And I mean, we were dancing before God in a praise and worship service and so forth. And I thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be hypocritical that the only time I did that was in a church service? And so I just went up, shut the bedroom door. I don't know what they thought I was doing downstairs. But I just, I, did you feel the anointing? Not a bit. But once I got started, baby, it started to churn. Come on, somebody. And so what am I saying to you? His presence inhabits that, and when it does, and when you get radical with your praise, he shows up in radical ways. It's just, it's just I double-dog dare you. Just test it and see. Praise and worship leaders, don't stand on another platform until you do it. Learn to praise God when nobody's watching, and when you, when they are watching, it'll bring a praise into the room like presence that cannot be denied. I never met a praise and worship leader that could bring the glory of God into a house that hadn't been through some hell on earth and learn how to praise God through the storm. I've never met one that could bring a glory into a room like that unless they've been through some stuff. 
and learn how to praise God in difficult times. Okay, I need a, I, final thoughts is what I'm doing. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Final thoughts. Stay relationally healthy in a very unhealthy world. Stay relationally healthy. That would include all social media. Stay relationally healthy in an unhealthy generation. Number five, and finally, finally, ask yourself, am I giving my community the best opportunity to say yes to Jesus and to discover the life that he's planned for them? Am I giving them the best shot at it by the way I live? I think these are all great thoughts in this series we'll call Lifestyle Christianity. And I'm excited to share with you throughout the month. And it's going to help us. I believe it's going to help us. Would you bow your heads with me across the room? And those of you who are watching online right now, maybe you're, maybe you're watching this. You say, Pastor Pat, you're, you're talking like different than any other religious experience that I've ever had. And that's because I don't want you to get caught in the process without the power. The process of religion with no living God in it. And so my appeal is to you today, if you really truly believe in God, let him make the impact that he desires in your life. Open your heart wide and build your house on a foundation that is unshakable, that God is good and he loves you, that nothing's impossible with him, that everything that was necessary to redeem us and to provide a victorious life was done in the blood of Jesus Christ and in his resurrection. And then lastly, Everybody is significant, and that super includes you. He loves you. Now, I can say I love you because I feel the love of God just reaching out to you right now, so it's legit, it's real. But today, there's got to be a response. There's a reciprocal response that all of us have to have, and it's just faith to the invitation of God. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so would you come? Would you come? There's, is there repentance involved in this, Pastor Pat? There absolutely is. Do, do things need to change in your life? Well, who wouldn't say yes to that? And Jesus wants to make those magnificent changes from the inside out. He changes your want to into a pure desire to serve God and love God and do it the right way. So today, let Jesus do that in your life. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm just saying... Would you like Jesus to be the Lord of who you are? Not just the Savior, but the Lord of who you are. He's the boss. But he knows and loves you, and he's so good. And when you follow him, your life changes. And I'm just here to tell you, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, because that's what the Word of God tells you. Follow the direction that God wants you to take in your life. Repent. And then begin to learn the word aggressively as you can, and God will change you for sure. If you're in the room today with all heads bowed and you're watching online right now, you say, Pastor Pat, pray for me. Don't leave me out of that prayer. I know I need God in my life. If that's you, in a moment, we're going to pray. How many of you say, Pastor Pat, that's me. I need God in my life. Pray for me right now. If that's you, wherever you're at, lift your hand. I see you, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. I see you back there. God bless you right here. Bless you, sir. God bless you today. I see you back there, sir. God bless you. Amen. Somebody over here, God bless you. Amen. I see you, sweetheart. Bless you today. Yeah, God bless you. He loves you today. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Amen. Anybody else lift up your hand? Those of you who, who are watching online, just touch that raise the hand button right now on the screen that you're watching and, and just, just say, yeah, Pastor Pat, don't leave me out of that prayer. I know I need God. 
And I want you, every one of us today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want you to know that the process begins. Thank God for, it, it has to begin somewhere. It starts in prayer and faith. Pray this with me. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. You died for me. You rose from the dead. You paid the price for all my sin. So I repent. And I look to you to be the Lord of who I am. I know I'll never be the same. Teach me what this means. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, give me a good amen, somebody. Amen, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.